Welcome back to the KMQ, everybody. This is not Rose Carraway. This is Big Daddy. Rose is not feeling well. So today, I thought I'd share one of our favorite episodes from the past, originally published on December 19th, 2016, and it's called The Hitchhiker by Rachel Devine. This is a truly excellent story from a truly excellent anthology for the men and the women who love them. It's an anthology geared for men, um, but it's not just for men. It's it's hopefully can be shared. It's bold kind of action-y erotica. If that's something you're into, I think you're really going to love this episode and this audiobook for the men and the women who love them. We do have the second one coming out very soon, um, and I think you're going to really love it. Uh, Rose and I have worked very hard on it, so stay tuned for that. One more thing. We got that giveaway. All you got to do is tweet at us. I heart the KMQ, and we're going to send you some audiobooks. You're going to love what we got for you. We are busy, always on the go, heading off to somewhere. KMQ listeners are either on the treadmill, running errands, lugging groceries, hauling kids around while listening to the show. Some of my most entertaining voicemails and emails have come from those dedicated listeners who are on the road a little longer than the rest of us. Truck drivers, those wearless men and women who brave the big slab day after day, keeping an ever vigilant eye on those pesky four-wheelers. Truckers are the ones making the long hauls of supplies and products that we take for granted. But the KMQ is there, keeping our steadfast truckers properly revved up for that special return trip home. I dedicate today's episode to all of our wonderful truck drivers who are out on the highways and byways every single day. Kisses to each and every one. Truckers. Be safe. The Sexy Librarian presents the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. Transport yourself to a place, a time, an experience that will enrich your mind as well as your passion. You are entitled to your sexual self. This show is for adults only and is a hands-free listening experience. Well, at least one hand. But before our story begins, let me tell you about our latest audiobook. For the men and the women who love them, 25 bold sex stories. Intended for the fellas and the women who have an appetite for bold, adventurous, erotic storytelling. Escape into the fantastic, the outlandish, and the literary. Get ready for a space pirate, a cowgirl, an anxious odd man out, an undercover agent, lonely ghosts, a taxi driver with an unexpected topsy-turvy fare, a burly biker who just wants to be cuddled, a bride-to-be with one last oat to sow, the devil offering a golden deal. A mysterious hitchhiker, strangers, and a spontaneous three way. You will find these and many more audacious characters playing out intense encounters. For the men and the women who love them, 25 bold sex stories in iTunes, Amazon, and Audible. And now, The Hitchhiker by Rachel Devine. The truck screeched to a halt a few yards down the road and the young woman picked up her backpack and sprinted for the door before the driver changed his mind. 
rides weren't as easy to come by as they had been in the past. Truck drivers were now as scared of picking up hitchhikers as the other way around, as false claims of rape could have a devastating effect on a driver's job and freedom. This driver did not care, however. The woman, now sprinting to catch him up, looked well worth the risk. Even if there was nothing in it for him, a few hours spent chatting with a beautiful woman was preferable to driving a boring route with just the radio for company. He leaned over and opened the cab door, and a head bobbed into view. Long brown hair, cute smile, and a face he wouldn't mind seeing beneath him on the bed in the cab, with sighs and groans coming from a pretty mouth, as he fucked her into next week. The woman spoke first. Hi, where are you going? Anywhere with you, was what he wanted to reply, but sensibly didn't. Paris, via the ferry at Dover. You? Not certain yet, but Paris sounds like a good first stop. Climb aboard. As soon as the cab door closed, he put the vehicle into gear and pulled away from the side of the road. So you're not going anywhere in particular? He asked. Not really, although I hope to end up in Portugal at some point. In the meantime, I plan to go where my fancy takes me. How about you? I'm taking chilled food to Paris, staying overnight, and then loading up with more goods to bring back to England. Not as exciting as your plans. Oh, I'm sure it has its compensations. Do you pick up many women on the road like this? She turned, and a hint of suggestion flashed over her face. Or was it just wishful thinking on his part? What's your name? Jezebel. Jez, for short. Really? No, not really. But it will do for now. Right. Well, then I will call myself... What name shall I use? Any suggestions? How about Hermes? He was the Greek god of the roadways and travelers. Okay. And what was Jezebel famous for? Other than being rather flighty. She was a queen of Israel, but unfortunately she misbehaved and was thrown to her death from a tower and eaten by dogs. That doesn't sound a good omen for you then, but as I'm Hermes, the god of travelers, I'll take care of you. Why, that is very kind of you. Would you like me to take care of you in return? He glanced at her quickly, unsure how exactly to interpret that remark and was met with a cheeky smile and a wet tongue running over the most kissable lips he had seen for a while. Oh well, nothing ventured. Is that offer what I think it is? He asked. You can take it any way you want to. He returned the smile, and his cock immediately perked up at the thought of what might be ahead if his luck held. So a blowjob is not beyond the bounds of possibility? Not at all. I think a blowjob in return for a trip to Paris is a fair price. Want one now? Not so fast. The last time I accepted an offer like that, I nearly crashed the rig. Although I can think of worse ways of dying. There's a place we can stop about 20 miles ahead. We've got plenty of time before the ferry. She looked pointedly down at his lap. I can see that Hermes Jr. is eager to come out and play. Would you like me to let him out for you? Hell, woman, that'd make it worse. But I guess you'd better unfasten my jeans before I bust the zip. She reached over, and her expert hands had him free within seconds, but seemed reluctant to release him. Hmm, quite something you've got here, Hermes. Not sure if I can get all of it into my mouth. Fuck, Jess, what are you trying to do to me? If you're not careful, I'll be shooting my load before you even get those lovely lips anywhere near it. She let go of his cock and moved slightly away. Sorry, Hermes. I will try and avoid touching or even looking at that magnificent cock. But if you could drive a bit faster, that would be great. In the meantime, what shall we talk about? Tell me why you're headed for Portugal and why you're taking your time getting there. My dad lives there. I haven't seen him for five years. Now he tells me he's dying, and he wants me to go visit him. Fuck it. He didn't bother with me for five years, so I don't see why I should rush to hold his hand now. She changed the subject quickly, and Hermes wondered if perhaps she cared more than she was letting on. What about you? 
Is there a Mrs. Hermes back at home? No, not even a girlfriend at present. My job doesn't make it easy. I'm never at home, but I don't go short. She glanced at his lap again. I guess you don't, with a cock like that. He groaned. You are not helping. Sorry, it's kind of hard to ignore it. Sure you don't want a little massage to keep you going? He ignored her, trying to dampen down the ardor so he could reach the truck stop before he shot his load. You're a plain-speaking woman, Jez. Do you always get what you ask for? Not always, but I usually say what's on my mind. I'm no shrinking violet. You can say that again. What do you do when you're not accepting lifts? Oh, a bit of this and a bit of that. One thing I've been doing recently is nude modeling for a photographer I know. She paused briefly. You don't think I'm on the game, do you? Because I can assure you that I don't accept money, just free lifts. And I wouldn't say no to a meal later. I'm starving. He laughed. I like your honesty, Jez. And sure, we can have some dinner on the ferry. Why are you taking the ferry and not the tunnel? I prefer it. The tunnel makes me feel claustrophobic. I don't like the idea of so much water overhead. He changed the subject again. So, this nude modeling, is it hardcore stuff? Not at all. It's very tasteful. Arty stuff. No pussy shots. He smiled. He found this woman intriguing, and the prospect of a blowjob with a hot-looking hitchhiker was not something that came along every day, assuming, of course, that she made good on her promise. His erection showed no sign of flagging anytime soon. How many miles to that darned truck stop? So what do you like doing when you're not modeling and whatnot? Same as most people. Nights in the pub, the occasional party, plus fucking, of course. Someone once told me I was a tramp. You don't think I am, do you? I just happen to enjoy sex. What's so wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. I'm not a hypocrite. I like sex, too. And I don't believe in the Madonna whore thing. Women have as much right to sexual fulfillment as men, in my opinion. Good for you, Hermes. How far did that truck stop? Nearly there. About two miles. Good. I need to pee. Don't mind if I do that first, do you? Do what you need to do. I guess I'll have to put little Hermes away for a trip to the dawn, too. That's a shame. I kind of liked the idea of walking across the truck stop and being the envy of every woman we pass. Unfortunately, the obscenity laws would put the damper on that. And besides, I wouldn't want to give the other drivers an inferiority complex, would I? The sign appeared for the stop, and soon the truck slowed and came to a halt in a quiet corner, a short distance away from the rest of the vehicles. Jez opened the door and sprang down to the ground. She shouted back at him, Okay, five minutes tops, Hermes, and no playing with that cock until you get back here. She grinned, seeing his face redden as he looked around to see if she had been heard, then turned and set off at a brisk pace towards the building, followed swiftly by Hermes, having tucked Hermes Jr. back into his pants with some difficulty. If Jez made a run for it now, without fulfilling her promise, he faced an uncomfortable ride to the ferry. By the time he returned to his rig, she was waiting by the locked door and checking her watch. Four and a half minutes, Hermes. You cut it a bit fine. I was about to start looking for another ride. His cock had subsided a little from earlier, but he was confident that Jez would soon have him up and running again. Sit in the passenger seat, Hermes. I don't want to keep banging the back of my head on the steering wheel. Sounds like you've done this before. Maybe but I don't kiss and tell. He climbed into the passenger seat and began to close the curtains that went around the inside of the cab front and gave some privacy from spying eyes. But Jez stopped him. Leave them. All anybody's gonna see is the soporific look on your face and maybe the top of my head. Let's make them jealous. So I can add exhibitionist to your list of qualities, can I? Let's just say, if you've got it, why not flaunt it? We're not going to stay young, beautiful, and sexy forever, are we? Jez climbed over him and settled herself in the footwell between his legs, 
and Hermes began to unfasten his zip. Allow me. She reached up and set his now rock-hard cock free from its constraints. Now there's a beautiful sight, Hermes, just begging to be sucked. He groaned, unable to speak and desperately hoping that the show wouldn't be over before it even got started. Perhaps he should try and work out the square root of certain numbers to distract himself for a moment. Jez gave his cock a lick from the bottom to the top before skimming her tongue around the tip and it grew in size still more. She paused from her task and muttered, how the hell am I going to get all this down my throat, let alone breathe at the same time? I hope you're good at mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, Hermes. Hermes had had a few good blowjobs in his day, but this girl was in a league of her own. She sucked and licked as though she was competing for Olympic gold, while her fingers ran over his balls and perineum, touching, stroking, and massaging. Jess was simultaneously unfastening the buttons on her shirt while still holding his cock in her mouth. He opened his eyes and looked down at the most perfect pair of tits he had ever seen. I thought these would wake you up, Hermes. Cop a feel while I finish you off. You have such a way with words, Jez. He reached out and was just able to take one in each hand. The game was lost now. No way could he hold out with these babies in his hands. He shot his load, and it seemed to go on forever. And all he could say over and over was, Fuck, 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 while his cum shot down Jez's throat. She swallowed all he had to give and finished by licking around his now diminishing cock before resting her arms on his thighs and looking up at him. Well, was it worth waiting for? You know damn well it was. So, are you going to return the favor? He looked at his watch. There's nothing I would like more, but I'm getting dangerously close to sailing time. You're going to have to wait until we are on board. There'll be time then. She pouted. I guess so. But you don't mind if I play with myself a little in the meantime. Be my guest. He shuffled out from beneath her and over to the driver's seat, fastening himself up as he did so. When he turned to look, Jez had removed her jeans and panties and had her feet propped up against the dashboard. Fuck. Were there no limits for this woman? He looked around to see if anyone was watching and turned the ignition. He pulled out onto the road again. You planning to have your pussy on display all the way to Dover? No, Hermes. It won't take me long to get off. You concentrate on driving. I don't want to end up in a ditch. He couldn't resist glancing at her from time to time. Her eyes closed and a look of pure pleasure on her face. Until after a few minutes, she groaned and her feet dropped to the floor. Feeling better? Much. They arrived at the ferry terminal and had to show their passports. Jezebel deliberately avoided looking at Hermes' document and refused to show him hers. I don't care what your real name is, Hermes, and you shouldn't care about mine. It's only a label hung around our necks by our parents when we're born. We can call ourselves what the hell we like. In fact, when we part in Paris, I'll change my name again for my next lift. Hermes felt a pang of sadness, reminded that he would just have tonight with this girl. He had no claim on this flighty, independent woman. All he would have would be the memory of their 24 hours together. He parked the rig in the designated spot, and the rumble in his stomach reminded him that he hadn't eaten breakfast, and it was already 3 p.m. Come, I promised you a meal, and I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Oh, that's a little disappointing. I thought you were going to say you were so hungry you could eat me. Don't worry. That pussy of yours will soon get lots of attention, believe me. Oh, yummy. Can't wait. Okay, food first it is then. They went to the restaurant, and Hermes bought them both fish and chips, plus some cola. He didn't want to risk beer when he still had the drive to Paris. When he returned to the table... Jez was missing, but turned up a couple of minutes later. Glad to see you didn't throw yourself overboard, he said. You'll be pleased when you see what I found. But she wouldn't elaborate as they both wolfed down the much-needed food. 
Once the plates were clean, Jez stood up and grabbed his hand. Hermes expected her to drag him towards the stairs, down to the parking level, but instead she turned towards the door, leading out onto the deck. There was a brisk sea breeze, and the water was a little choppy, so none of the passengers had ventured outside, being content to drink their beer and play the one-armed bandit machines or bury themselves in their smartphones. Do you really want to be out here on a day like today? It wasn't raining, but the sky was gray. However, despite that, it wasn't too cold, and it did feel kind of bracing, breathing in the salty air. Well, you've already found out what an exhibitionist I am. Hermes knew what was coming next. She wanted him to fuck her on the deck. I've always wanted to do a Titanic, you know, like in the film, except I want to go all the way, not just copping a feel like those pussies, she said. I don't want to think of the Titanic while I'm on board a ship, thank you very much. And have you prepared your defense for when we are arrested for offending public decency? Wait, I have found the perfect spot where no one will see us. She dragged him along until they were hidden from view. See, look around. Do you see anybody? No, I guess not. Okay, Miss Jezebel, you are living up to your name again. She grimaced, just so long as I don't have a similar fate to hers. When I bend over the railing, you must promise to hang on to me and not push me overboard to be eaten by the fishes. He laughed. Do you think I'm stupid enough to push you overboard before I have the chance to fuck your brains out in Paris, Jess? No, I guess not. Come here, Hermes. I want you to kiss me. Hermes moved close and drew her to him. He wanted his cock inside this little temptress as soon as possible, but he owed her a bit of wooing after her award-winning blowjob from earlier. He pressed the palms of both hands against her shapely bottom and ground his cock against her. No need for any revival techniques for that little monster. He was raring to go. Drop your jeans and your panties and turn towards the railing. She did as requested, and he slipped his fingers between her legs and began massaging, gently at first and then more robustly. In response, she pushed her bottom towards him, and he slipped a finger inside her. She was soaked. Not much need for foreplay here. A second finger followed the first while he used his other hand to seek out her clit. She groaned loudly. Fuck me, Hermes. I've been waiting all day for this. Fuck me hard. Not so fast, Miss Jezebel. I'm not going in until you start screaming for me to fuck you, as though the world is coming to an end and you're just begging me for one last poke. He added a third finger, making a snug fit inside her tight little pussy. She was panting now, and from time to time, making a strange, mewling sound. He knew that the sound of the waves would drown out their noise if anyone came topside. He bit her earlobe, and Jez began to beg. Please fuck me, Hermes. You're killing me here. He looked down at that perfect, peachy ass, and wanted to hear the sound of his hand connecting with it. He drew his fingers from her, brought back his arm, and slapped her hard on the right cheek. She groaned, but made no effort to move away from him. He repeated the action on her other cheek. Jez turned her head towards him. Yes, fucking yes, do it. He alternated cheeks, slapping until he could see two red handprints on her ass. He unfastened his fly, then spread her legs with his feet and bent her further over the railing before plunging himself into her tight, wet pussy at last. Yes, Hermes, fucking yes. She screamed, without a care of being heard. He didn't think he had ever met a woman quite so uninhibited as Jez. He pounded into her again and again, and despite his size, he found that she could take everything he had to offer. Fuck the Titanic! I'll take the ferry across the English Channel any day, Hermes. Then she started singing at the top of her voice. This woman's batshit crazy, he thought. She sang the theme song to the movie 
in a voice that could best be described as the sound of a cat screaming as it was being dragged through a hedge. She stopped singing mid-song and yelled, I'm coming, Hermes! I'm fucking coming! Hold me tight! He clung to her waist, just in case she actually somehow flipped overboard. He felt her pussy clamping onto his cock as she rode the wave, quite literally in this case, which was the signal from his brain to let go and come for the second glorious time today with this strange, crazy woman. There was no time for any post-sex wind-down, however, because the coast of France was coming into view. The klaxon sounded, telling the drivers that they needed to return to their vehicles, ready for disembarkation. They saw an old sea salt, a cigarette in his hand, leaning against the paneling with a big grin on his face. He said nothing, but gave them a wink as they shuffled past him. A short time later, they were off the ship and back on the road, headed for Paris. Hermes looked sideways at Jess, who was leaning back in the seat with a contented, just-been-fucked expression on her face. He shook his head, but he couldn't help grinning at the same time. This was turning into one hell of a day, and there was still a night in Paris to come. He wondered if they would meet again after tomorrow. Nothing about this woman would surprise him, so perhaps it was possible. He hoped they wouldn't just be ships that passed in the night. She must have read his mind. I like you, Hermes. Perhaps we can get together when I get back home. He grinned. Sounds good to me, Jess. You just make sure you get back in one piece. He reached over and grabbed one of his contact cards from the dashboard and handed it to her. Here, put this somewhere safe. You have any trouble with that low-life dad of yours when you get to Portugal, call me and I'll come. Jez scrambled over and kissed him on the cheek. Aw, Hermes, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Just for that, I'm going to give you the super deluxe blowjob tonight. He wondered if this one night together would be all there was for them, a brief encounter before parting ways. He hoped not. I'm a no one in a small town and to do what I please. ain't essential and I ain't got no needs, but I need a shot Hope you enjoyed the show. That was The Hitchhiker, written by Rachel Devine. You can find more stories by Rachel Devine at racheldevineauthor.com. Give the gift of fantasy to your partner. You won't even have to wrap it. It's a sexy way to get that really special, rosy holiday glow that will keep on giving. Head over to audible.com and search for the men and the women who love them, 25 Bold Sex Stories. You could be listening to the audiobook while your partner reads the print book, which makes an excellent stocking stuffer. Think of it as mistletoe, only this is way, way hotter. If you would like to get in touch with me, Rose Caraway, I can be found at thekissmequicks.com. For more fun, sexy stories, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Sign up for Audible's 30-day trial and you can get one of my audiobooks for free. Your subscription will include one free audiobook every month, as well as give you discounted prices on all my audiobooks. You can cancel at any time. Have a happier life. We encourage you lovely Lord listeners to be playful. Enjoy yourselves your partners, and your sexuality. The Kiss Me Quick's Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by For the Men and the Women Who Love Them, 25 Bold Sex Stories in iTunes, Amazon, and Audible.
The KMQ would like to thank the following musical artists. Jeffrey Philip Nelson, David Mumford, and the KMQ introduction music by Vivich. Stupid Fish. Undercover Cop by Aaron Pym. We're getting you in there, Sheila, the chief says, over the wail of blaring sirens and a circling news helicopter's propeller. Extra backup is being called. It looks like things might get complicated. I'm ready, sir, I say, also feeling that we need someone on the inside. The hostage-taker is getting more and more emotionally unhinged. He won't let us get anywhere near the bank, and negotiations are worse than stalling. The standoff is now at a complete standstill. Except for finally getting a food order out of the guy, there have been no other demands made. The suspect has decided that he isn't answering the phone anymore. This whole thing has the potential of being a real clusterfuck, but hostage situations always are. I feel my heartbeat quicken, and a smile creeps across my face at being presented with such an exciting opportunity. It's undercover situations like this that got me interested in the police force in the first place. The chief lays out his unorthodox plan. It's so odd that he had to legally ask me to volunteer, even though I couldn't exactly say no. A woman on the front line has to always prove herself. But if this operation goes well, I will have all the guys eating out of the palms of my hands for months. When he sends her out for the food, we'll make the swap, the chief says. I understand, sir. I nod. This situation appears to be a simple bank robbery gone wrong. With the gunman refusing to pick up the damn phone, we aren't privy to anything more about his motives. For now, a background check reveals that suspect Johnny Lester is nothing more than a newly unemployed deadbeat with a history of petty theft. The mugshot we pulled makes me think that this guy only got as far as he did because of his looks. A little rough around the edges, but with an attractive, rugged quality to him. I know the type. He thinks the world owes him something. Intelligence also tells us that the hostages' heads have been covered with hoods, and their wrists are duct-taped. We're counting on the fact that the suspect has only caught glimpses of the captives' faces and won't notice our little switcheroo. A quick employee ID check using the bank's personnel database showed that I'm a dead ringer for the bank manager, Gina. And as luck would have it, she has been the one chosen as liaison for the food pickup. Since SWAT can't get any good visuals on the perp, now that he's closed all the window blinds, we can't waste this opportunity. It may be our only chance to save the hostages and apprehend the gunman. This is also my chance to finally get some respect from my peers. A commendation? Hell, maybe even a promotion. Let's make this quick. Tech's going to set you up with a wire. Are you ready? Yes, sir, I say, already removing my police badge. Just as I turn my back to follow a tech guy, the chief lays a hand on my shoulder. Remember your objective. Isolate him. Keep him busy. Copy? Copy that. I follow a tech guy to the surveillance trailer and get fitted for a small wire, but we don't risk any kind of weapon or even an earpiece. Surveillance will hear me, but I won't hear them. Fortunately, I excel at improvising. It all hinges on me, and I can't wait. When I'm down to my bra and panties, wired for sound, we all turn to watch the primary camera, holding our breath. The seconds drag before she finally emerges. Gina, the bank manager, jogs towards us, tears streaming down her face. Two officers flank her, their weapons at the ready as they escort her to the trailer. One of the back doors swings partway open, and then Gina is assisted inside. It's then that I realize I look even more like her than I first thought, and my heart gets giddy. I greet her warmly, but talk quickly. 
the uniforms climb in after her and begin removing the tape from her wrists and mouth as I explain things. Gina, you're safe now. You're not going back in there, okay? I know it's hard to even think right now, but I need you to do something for me. I need you to remove your clothing so that I can stand in your place. Do you understand? She nods. Her mouth is free of obstruction, but still, she's unable to speak. I can see that shock has nearly taken her over. Quickly now. I emerge from the trailer in a minute flat, and all eyes are on me. I don't need to do much to fake the nervous energy required for this to be convincing. I'm confident in my abilities, but this plan is a long shot. The two uniforms escort me to the end of the parking lot. One officer drapes the plastic to-go bags over my freshly taped wrists, and then I head across the street. As I approach the front door of the bank, a civilian opens it. His hands have been crudely duct-taped to the inside handle to prevent him from escaping. The door closes behind me, shutting out any semblance of natural light, and suddenly I'm on the inside, my eyes adjusting to the darkness. I scan the gloomy room. Eight frightened hostages are bound, their heads covered with hoods. They're sitting on the ground against the main teller counter. The gunman stops his pacing, puts his cell phone away, and looks at me anxiously. I notice that his eyes have trouble looking in one place for very long. His hair is disheveled and his jaw is stubbled, but he's undeniably attractive. He stares at me oddly, and I start to get a little nervous, but soon I realize that that's just the way he looks at everything. His eyes dart toward a plant a moment later in the same paranoid fashion. He walks up to me, then pats me down with one hand while holding a cocked glock in the other. He takes his time, of course, especially on my ass and breasts. Immediately, I'm taking mental notes, chiefly of the groan I hear from deep in his chest. My nipples have hardened from his pawing, and at how he smiles a little when I meet his gaze, unflinching. I pretend to be shy, though, and look away, taking this opportunity to make further note of the rest of my surroundings. The bank's phones are lying in a good-sized pile in the middle of the floor, fat chunks of sheetrock still attached to their yanked-out jacks. When the suspect appears to be done fondling me, I raise my taped arms to indicate the lunch bags. He rips the tape from my mouth. I give a girlish yelp. What took so long? He asks, setting the bags of food on a nearby desk. Sammy's always has a line out the door during their dinner rush, I reply, cowering a little. Fucking cops. Well, it's not like we had a reservation, he jokes. I fake a small laugh, but manage to let some manufactured fear show through. He looks at me, appears to become vulnerable, then quickly retrieves his cell phone again. After another earnest look at its blank screen, he jams the phone back into his pocket. He gestures with the Glock. You, take off their hoods and untape their mouths. Him too. Let's eat. At his command, I remove the tape connecting the man to the front door handle, cringing at how much hair I'm pulling out of his forearms. I help the simpering man back to the small herd of hostages against the farthest wall and assist him to the floor. The suspect locks the door and gets away from view. I confirm five employees and four customers. Each employee's eyes bug out when they see that I'm not their manager, Gina, and I pray that the liability doesn't bite me in the ass. I hand out the sandwiches one by one. A young blonde woman, who we identified as Joyce Gaines, speaks to me in hushed tones. Are you with the police? I shake my head only slightly, trying to tell her with my eyes that everything is under control, that we are all going to be okay, and that she needs to stop talking. You've got to do something. Some of us have children, she hisses. You, the gunman shouts, and my heart jumps into my throat. Sugar tits, 
He gestures with the gun for me to come over, and I do, discreetly making sure the rack he mentioned bounces attractively with each step I take. He grabs my elbow and pulls me aside. Listen, he says, glancing from my eyes to my tits, and then back to my eyes again. You know I'm a good guy, right? I nod, relieved that he hasn't overheard anything. I want this to end just like you guys do. I nod again and venture a response. So did the police, I imagine. (laughs) The police. They just want to fuck this up for me, you know? He fiddles nervously with his handgun, and I don't like it. Well, maybe. I smile and take a half step closer. But I think they just want everyone to be safe. Everyone is safe. You guys are doing great, right? I got you all food, didn't I? Nine heads quickly nod. I think that counts for a lot, I say. That you're so compassionate. Inhaling deeply so that my tits rise enough to catch his gaze, I feel like we're starting to connect. He seems to inherently trust Gina. Suddenly, we hear a landline ringing from somewhere, one of the loan officer's desks. The suspect vibrates with tension and grips his gun so tightly that his knuckles turn white. I force my own panic down as he locates the offending phone and then takes aim. The last thing I want is for this guy to start getting trigger happy. No, wait, don't. Though my wrists are still taped, I put my hands up as best I can, then walk over and yank the cord out of the wall myself. The gunman grins and gives me a sandwich. We eat in silence. Dinner break's over. You, sweet cheeks. He smirks, balls up his wrappers, and then tosses the trash over a shoulder. He steps close. His face is so close to mine that I can smell past the turkey and avocado to his aftershave and his sweat. And then there's a warm, swirling sensation low in my belly. Tape them back up and then bring your tight little ass back over here. I beam a smile at him, then locate the roll of duct tape. I reapply a strip to each hostage's mouth, bending deeply as I do so. I carefully point my ass the suspect's way, angling my hips so that it's presented at its most delectable angle. The quick smile I send him over my shoulder forms on its own accord. The employees look at me pleadingly, desperate. Lastly, one by one, I replace their hoods as best I can. The glue from the duct tape pulls at the little hairs on my wrists, unrelenting. Mm -hmm. The same blonde woman pleads before I quickly cover her head. I bring the roll of tape back to the perp, like a good little puppy, expecting him to tape my mouth and cover my head like the others. But he doesn't. This is good. He wants to talk. Everybody good? He asks, hopping up to sit on the teller counter. Yes, I respond, pouring on the seduction as thick as I can manage. See, nothing to be scared of here, he says, a twinkle in his eye. He grabs my arm and pulls me close. Except me, of course. He licks his lips. In his grip, I'm suddenly picturing with all too vivid imagery what this guy might be like in bed and shorten the gap between us. I let my bound hands rest on one of his thighs. I discreetly eye the gun in his lap. His thick finger is still poised on the trigger. I've got to disarm him. I nod and speak in a quiet, sweet whisper. You know, they'd probably just give you a slap on the wrist if you gave up the hostages. Fuck that noise, he says, gruffly, then sniffs a strand of my hair. But you haven't harmed anyone, I reason. If you just talk to the negotiator, it's too late for bargaining. He cuts me off. Anger flashes in his sharp blue eyes. They want to kill me. So fuck them. Fuck all of them. 
he grumbles, standing up and walking away. He starts pacing again, and I mentally roll my eyes and curse myself for making such a rookie mistake. I know what I have to do, but first, I need to let him cool down. Our only source of light comes through the glass front door, but as the sun sets, the bank darkens until it's nearly pitch black inside. The hostages are stone silent. Leaning against the teller counter, I switch my weight from one foot to the other, non-threateningly, watching the suspect as he paces and rambles to himself in the darkness, sneaking peeks through the window blinds. He retrieves the cell phone from his pocket multiple times, still waiting for someone to call him. I whisper just under my breath so that the ears on the outside know what's going on. After about an hour, I decide that it's time to bring out the heavy artillery. Would you like to sit down, I offer, patting the countertop beside me as seductively as I can with my bound hands. I brush away some of the errant receipts and deposit slips, making a nice, cozy spot for him beside me. Please? Huh? Yeah, sure, he says, coming over and hopping onto the counter again. Anything I can do? I ask, unbuttoning my blouse a bit. I trace a finger down my ample cleavage and tug temptingly. Even in the growing darkness, the baby blue lace of my bra is visible. Wouldn't you like to know? He says while ogling me. I throw on my most genuine smile. It's now or never. You know, I like the way you look at me. Really? Yeah, and, you know, I've been thinking. I purr, moving my hair over to my right shoulder, exposing my neck to him, remembering that the tiny wire is taped against my right tit, not my left. I lean in so that both laced breasts are well within reach. The suspect ventures a glance at my presented orbs, and his whiskered jaw loosens. I've got him. What have you been thinking? He asks, using the barrel of the Glock to move the lace down on my left breast. My breath catches at the touch of cold metal. My throat constricts, and my nipples harden, despite my fear of him potentially uncovering the wire I'm wearing. I swallow, concentrate on my objective. Well, I've been thinking that you might like to take me back to my office. And, you know. Really? Mm-hmm. The gun stops moving. He looks over my shoulder. They'll never even notice we're gone. He sits there, tapping the warmed barrel of the gun against the swell of my right breast. I promise I'll be real quiet. I let my bound wrists slide delicately against his swollen groin. He raises an eyebrow. He inspects the hostages one more time, rakes his dark hair back, lets out a warm breath, backed by a disarmingly devilish smile that flashes in the darkness and makes my heart flutter. All right, peaches. He aims the gun at my face, traces it almost tenderly down along my cheek, then eases himself off the counter. He puts the barrel under my chin and lifts. I'm up for a quickie. With his gun at my back, I locate Gina's office. The nameplate is still on the wall, but the door's glass window has been punched in. I notice, too, that there is something dark splattered on the carpet. Blood. And I immediately wonder who it belongs to. None of the hostages in the lobby had any injuries. I struggle to keep my thoughts on the plan at hand. I take comfort knowing that surveillance and SWAT will be ready. The gunman leaves the office door open, and it makes me slightly nervous. This is it. I wish so badly that I had an open line of communication with the chief. Somebody... I position myself so that I'm against Gina's desk, facing the hallway we just walked down. I smile. I can still make out the bank's front door from here, 
even in the darkness. I knew you wanted it, he snickers, bringing me out of my head. Yeah, I was hoping you would. The suspect doesn't set the gun down. My bound hands grab the front of his shirt, bringing him closer. Any chance you can cut this tape? I might need my hands if you know what I mean. Not a chance, girly. Besides, I like you this way, he says, lifting up my skirt. I smirk and sneak a glance beyond him towards the bank's entrance as he ogles my matching baby blue panties. He stares so intently I can see the whites of his eyes, almost feel the heat of his lustful gaze through the lace fabric. I bring him in for a kiss, taking the opportunity to look over his shoulder once again. I can see the SWAT guys crouching, gathering at the front door, waiting. Now, more than ever, it's important for me to keep my cool and my suspect distracted. But his kiss is so exceptional. I have to force myself to pull back. Like what you see? I say, breathless, grateful for the desk supporting me. Oh, yeah. I've been checking out that beautiful ass of yours since you walked in here. Mm, really? Turn around. Show it to me. I don't dare hesitate as I turn prettily and place my elbows on the desk. I hate not seeing the front door anymore, though. I peek over my shoulder, but I can't see anything from this lower position. Show me that ass, baby, he says, ripping down my skirt and underwear at the same time. My bare ass is exposed now, and I'm thankful that the tech guys don't have cameras in the bank manager's office. I would never hear the end of it. I arch my back, giving a sexy shadowed view of not only my very pale ass, but the lips of my waxed pussy enticing the perp to continue. He smacks one bared cheek, then the other. I disguise my surprise with a soft groan. I wriggle my hips suggestively, as if I can't wait, and then my eyes dart to the Glock, still in his hand. I hear his zipper and feel the hard, blunt head of his dick. He leans forward. The hand that's holding the gun is on the desk now. The wet tip of his cock probes my opening. I slither a little, thinking that I need to spread his pre-cum because I can't possibly be wet enough, and yet I am. So very wet. I arch my back, toss my hair, and groan wantonly. In the back of my primal brain, I think I hear the hostages' hurried footsteps. Are they already exiting the building? But that's so fast. Come on, give it to me, big boy. Hurry, I whisper harshly. A taunt, hoping that he doesn't turn before they finish evacuating. I pour it on thick. Give me that big cock, baby. I've wanted it all fucking day. I feel the swollen, warm cockhead push against my hole, his calloused knuckles as he guides himself, and I tilt my hips back to help him. I want to reach between my legs to spread myself, but the tape around my wrists prevents me. I groan frustration, and he positions himself better, grabs my hip with his free hand, and then his erection pops in, past my opening, my pussy lubricates the full length of him all the way inside. Mm, you are so wet. Of course I am, baby. I hazard a quick glance back. Through the window of his arm and waist, I barely catch a glimpse of the tops of several heads. The gunman starts thrusting, groaning, bent over me, his dick moving in and out of my pussy. I'm encouraged by the fact that I've been able to manipulate him so well. Feeling a surge of powerfulness, I grind my hips back against him, gripping the desk for leverage so that he can rebound and crash into me harder. This is the last good fuck he'll probably ever get, after all. The poor idiot. 
You got just what you fucking wanted, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Give it all to me. I feel my core tighten. I could tell when I first saw you that you had a hungry fucking cunt. He punctuates each word with a hard thrust, pushing his weight against me, bending me further, splaying me out on the desk. I moan, and then the stapler, a little tray of business cards, and a cup of pens goes flying. I can't see anything now. My cheekbone and tits are pressed completely against the smooth wood of the desk. He's huffing, heaving on top of me. I lift my toes off the floor, taking every pound of pressure. He whispers against my ear as he fucks. I could tell when you first came in with dinner. Wait, dinner? I first came in, but Gina... I put my toes back onto the floor. Gina was here all day. Well, shit, he knows. You really do look like her, but I know Gina a little better than you think. He knows I'm a cop. God damn it. The fucker just had to go and ruin it. But I have to tell you, you're a much better lay. My rising orgasm is bored with the direction the conversation is taking. So I smash the back of my skull against his nose. Spinning, I send a sharp, vicious left elbow right into his liver. He's still got the glock and attempts to point it at me while fighting the pull of gravity. Blood runs steadily from his busted nose. I raise my bound wrists, ready to use my fists like a club. A shot. I hold my breath, close my eyes, stopped in my tracks, but I feel no pain. I look up to see the gunman stiffen, then crumble. Dark blood pours from a small dark hole in his back. The gun bounces from his loosened hand. I look up to see three of my peers, weapons raised. I breathe out. Someone comes in with a blanket. We find her, I ask, once again in my office back at the precinct. I lean back in my chair, watching the ceiling fan spin uselessly slow overhead. Gina? The chief replies. Not yet, but we will. We've got alerts out everywhere for her. Thanks, chief. I rock forward in my chair. An awkward silence follows. Gina had been the perp's inside man, well, his inside woman, from his hospital bed, the perp confessed that Gina, the bank manager, had agreed to supply him with bank codes, schedules, and layouts, as well as one key factor to the success of the operation, that she only hit the panic button after he had already left, thereby exonerating Gina of any involvement, as well as allow the perp to get away scot-free. But their plan was foiled by a young man, a new hire by the name of Joseph Friedman. Sadly, he was the casualty, found in Gina's office closet, right next to where the perp and I had been fucking. Joseph had hit the secret panic button and paid dearly for it. You saved eight civilians today, Sheila. That's something. Of course, I respond. And we got our man. Yes, we did. Congratulations, officer. You might be up for a medal for this. Thank you, sir. I turn my attention back to my paperwork, where I need to relay every last detail of the story our precinct concocted to preserve my reputation. Not that I care to. I'd do it a hundred times more if it meant putting away another cute sleazebag. I pick up my pen and smile. I'm sure I can think of a few more questions to ask my perp. Get all the details, you know? Help him clear his conscience. Really settle him in for the night. Erin Pym attempts to arouse in a variety of mediums, talking dirty on her radio show, The Bedpost Podcast, 
taking off her clothes at the Bedpost stage show and writing erotica in various anthologies and solo works. She lives in Toronto with her partner.